Welcome to another playoff edition of the Hot Hot Hoops podcast. I'm uh, senior writer Brandon Aperno here with Matt Hannafin as always. And Matt, we're headed on to round two. Uh, I'm going to kind of start this the way I did last time. Did that shit really just happen? Like, I know I put it in our Slack chat uh, multiple times over the last, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 hours, whatever. But I'm still trying to ask myself, all of that, and I don't ju- just mean like did this shit like meet like game five. I mean, yeah, obviously that's the most recent game, but just this entire season. I mean, Miami Heat, six eight seed in NBA history to beat a one seed in the first round. Um, the fourth to do it since the seven game series was implemented in two thousand three. The first one to to win or to advance in less in in five games or less. The other uh, previous three teams um, did it in six, I believe. Uh, the most recent being the 2000, I think, 12 Sixers. Um, I mean, what more else can you say about Jimmy first, Butler? I mean, again, another 42-8 on 17 of 33 shooting. Uh, he was phenomenal. He had, I think, 16 points in the fourth quarter in overtime. He, of course, hit that just ridiculous game-time shot at the end of regulation off a great inbounds pass from Gabe Vincent that we'll, I'm sure we'll get into. He gave Drew multiple buckets, was talking shit to him the entire game, especially late in that game, which was phenomenal because Miami was down six with two and a half minutes left. They were down two with um, two minutes left. And there's there's multiple videos that I tweeted last night after the game of him just, just talking mad trash to Drew. Um, and we'll get into the complete series in a little bit. But, like, dude, Miami was down 16 with heading into the fourth quarter and they still found a way to come back on the road. It was an epic collapse by Milwaukee, but in part due to Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo's defense on Giannis Antetokounmpo, who he held to one of seven shooting down in this, I think in the fourth quarter and overtime combined when he was the primary defender for NBA.com. Um, Gabe Vincent hit that shot and to put it within one, he makes the inbounds pass. There are times, at least in the beginning of the game, where he was forcing it a little bit, but he was still getting to his spots. He was still knocking down shots. He finished with 22 points on 9 of 23 shooting. Kevin Love, I'm going to take my medicine again. He finished with 15 and 11, hit five threes, including two, including, including two back-to-back threes in the fourth quarter to make it a six-point game. And all of us were just like, wait, are they actually going to come back from this? Um I mean, again, Miami was down 16. They begin the fourth quarter on an 11-1 run without Jimmy on the floor. Neither team really scored a point for the first couple minutes. Again, Bam hits those couple of shots. He struggled for a little bit but found a groove in the fourth quarter in overtime um, before he fouled out. Love hits those back-to-back threes. Miami cuts to six. It kind of fell almost not out of Miami's grasp, grasp, but like Drew hit that step-back three. Matthews hits that three after that inverted pick and roll kind of miscommunication on the coverage between Struess and Bam. And that makes, I think that made it like an eight point game, but then Butler, while, while all that's going on, Butler just rattles off 12 straight for Miami, including a game tying three um, to at one at game tying three at one eleven. It I just, I don't know, man, like, man, like I can go on and on about this, but because I know I've talked way too much already, but it's just like just the way the final few minutes happen again, like Giannis or not Gian, Giannis 
not it wasn't Giannis. It was Drew who I think missed one of two, right? Um, before Jimmy's game winner, like it's just I don't know how even Gabe got that pass off on with Giannis just towering over him on the inbounds play. I'm surprised Lopez wasn't even in the game just as a kind of guy to just stand near the middle, which is just makes no sense. Yeah, with that's just a coaching screw up on Bud's part, and he's he had a terrible series. He had he didn't call that timeout. I know Stu said on uh, Dan Levitard this morning that they were all surprised that yeah I didn't call a timeout, which was the funniest part about it. Um, I mean, they missed. did Milwaukee continuously missed free throws down the stretch? Miami held Milwaukee to five of twenty-five shooting in fourth quarter and overtime. While Miami, I think Bam and Jimmy had twenty-nine combined, if I can remember correctly, just over that span. Milwaukee, I think, had twenty-four like entirely. And so, oh. like I, dude, I'm I'm going on and on about this, but just like, what the hell, man? Like this you is. Know, listen, man. Um, Pat Riley once said. That even then there are a ton of obstacles, there are none. And when he said it, I was like, "That's a Rileyism, you know, like yep. makes no sense." It's just Pat Riley, you know, uh, you know, it's just speaking, doing Pat Riley things. It's it's the quotes, right? Burn the boats. You have the guts, that kind of thing. Heat culture, heat culture. This season, I did not feel heat culture at all. Um, it was a, it was painful watching the Heat. Um, at times, especially as they brought, they lost games in the clutch, or they bring nearly every single game down to the clutch. And the only thing I can say is, wow, what great practice. Because, yeah, right. <laughs> because the Heat led the freaking league in the clutch because they played every single game in the clutch. Uh, so the games that they won in the clutch were just their regular season wins. Um, but yeah, man, yesterday, yesterday was crazy. Um, when I write recaps, I cover the game. I, I write them as I'm watching the game so that I can get them out a little quicker. Um, and there's something. <laughs> well, it, it, it's one of those where it's like it allows me to take notes, and oftentimes, uh, oftentimes I'll change things. But I think I wrote uh, without Jimmy on the floor to start the four things didn't get better immediately. I said uh, I talked about Bam because Bam was playing bad at this point. I said reportedly battling a hamstring injury, Bam just hasn't looked like his all star self. Um, but he did his best without Jimmy to get the heat within 10. I go, with Love hitting a key look from three, Miami found itself within eight and a strong sense of deja vu in the air because it felt like the matchup before. It felt like the heat were imposing their will onto the Bucks all of a sudden. And then I joked, I said, or was it Love in the air with Love hitting his fifth three of the night to get the heat within six? Kevin Love was fantastic last night. Um, also getting uh getting fouled out the way he got fouled out was a very weak call Lowry getting yeah, fouled yeah. Out I mean fouled out. it's a it's a damn playoff game like what are we doing here well I mean I think it's a, I think it's worth addressing uh the foul calls uh yesterday because yeah there's a lot of Bucks fans on Twitter and this is why I try to stay off Twitter most of the time now that are really highlighting the fact that Jimmy pushed off of Connaughton on uh to get his open his open look but sorry the Tyler Johnson look um at the uh, at the end of the at the end of the game and the only thing i can say is the really Bucks got 42 free throws the nba wanted this series to continue you know like um 45 free throws they finished with 45 how many did miami shoot just 17 uh, 17 that's 28 so, and that's, the, a, that's a 28 free throw difference they shot they they went 28 of 45 from the free throw line 
Yeah. They missed 17 free throws. Miami shot 11 of 17 from the free throw line. They shot 28 more free throws than Miami, made 17 more. Get the heck out of here with that. Yeah, Jimmy pushed off. Yeah, he might have pushed off. He might have not. But guess what? Giannis was barreling through the lane. Bam got a couple fouls called him in, in that game that weren't fouls. I mean, it's just the superstar call. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's going to be called on you. Sometimes it's not going to be called on you. But Giannis was getting calls too. So let's not act like Jimmy at that one that one exact moment got that call because guess what? Giannis and Milwaukee got plenty of calls at home in a game in an elimination game. So let's not let's not act like that. Miss me with that, bro. Miss me with that. Did the Heat take over or did the Bucks implode? I mean, I want to say it was a a little bit of both. I mean, I probably I'd probably lean more towards the Bucks imploding because again, twenty eight of forty five from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. They shot also, five of twenty five in the fourth quarter and overtime combined. Like I they think had every, six turnovers. They have Miami only had three turnovers. Miami shot. What was it? I think they shot a little less than little less than fifty percent over that spend. Yeah, they shot forty two and a half percent. So it's not like the best percentage. Four twelve from deep. Milwaukee shot five of twenty five from the field, two of eight from the uh, three point line, and twelve of twenty from the free throw line in the fourth quarter in overtime. Miami just shot four or five from the free throw line. Milwaukee, to to a degree, did implode. Giannis was settling for jump shots. He wasn't his normal aggressive self. There was a couple times where he was able to get in the lane and get a tough finger roll. I know he hit one um, over Kevin Love uh, on an ad one in in the last two minutes. Um, He also hit another one. I think it was like over Struess or something like that to kind of cut up within two in overtime. But like at the same time, like Milwaukee did implode. They were up 16. They were up 16 in the fourth quarter. They were up nine with like three minutes left or four minutes left, whatever it was. Like this team was up by a considerable amount, and all they had to do was close it out and have a few good possessions. But to the Bam out of bio, Jimmy Butler, like all those guys contributed at the end. Yep. Especially defensively on Giannis, on Tritt, on Chris, on Drew. Like hey, it'll it'll get for like Miami. It'll, you can't just sit here and act like Miami just won the game because of the referees, because they did. I mean, look, look, it'll get forgotten, but I really just want to highlight Kyle Lowry's deflection that got called for a foul and then and then didn't. Yeah. And then got reversed. That was a great play by Lowry. It'll get it'll get, uh, you know, lumped in with Jimmy playing excellent. Bam's triple double gave Vincent absolutely just heat checking. Um, But that was an awesome play. Um, There is a a couple things I want to highlight, too. Um, Maybe it's just because we're Miami Heat fans, but I knew I knew what that play was going to be at the end of the game. I've seen it a million times. I've seen it for D-Wade. I've seen it for Tyler Johnson. Uh, I've seen it for Jimmy just this year. In situations like that, the law of that, that's our, that's our, that's the, that's the that's the quint, uh, quintessential heat uh, Hail Mary. You know, I think, I think, I think any, like, Bud should have known that. He, Brooke Lopez should have been in the game. Timeout should have been used. The fact that the, um, <laughs> the fact that the Bucks lost this game on uh, this clock expiring with the ball in Grayson Allen's hands, I think that that'll be the last. I think this is the last time Bud coaches the Bucks. I think Nick Nurse is going to be the new coach of the Milwaukee Bucks next, starting next season. And um, frankly, you know, he was he was he's had his moments uh, this season, like uh, where he wasn't coaching great, but man, Spo coached the hell out of this series. Oh, like, dude, yeah, I know. I tweeted a little about a little bit about it after, but um, I thought Spo. And really, Jimmy too, um, and everyone pretty much involved did a good job of taking Lopez and uh, Giannis away from the rim, just from like having Bam above the break, dishing passes. And I know there was a couple of plays in the in the fourth quarter where 
Bam was just coming off of like staggered screens and pin downs from Kevin Love and I think Max Struess as well um, with Bam kind of operating as a high post slash above the break hub um, and kind of just feeding Bam like there'd be or not feeding Bam, feeding Jimmy. There'd be times where Jimmy was it was either like he was curling around it or he was backdooring it depending on if Drew was face guarding him or not or how much Drew was face guarding him or not. Like they were doing a really good job and that's that's taking Brooke Lopez and Giannis um, I don't think Giannis was directly involved in that specific action, but um, it, it did a good job of taking both of them away from the rim in just different ways. I know there are times where Bam would get, or not Bam, Jimmy would get Brooke on a switch in space and just would just blow by him. I know he had one like reverse lamp. I think it was like in the second or third quarter where he blew he blew right by Brooke just for like in the easy deuce, but it was like reverse lamp and Jimmy did a good job of like shading himself to where he could be in between him and the rim to where he could kind of cut off that angle and convert over Brooke. Like they just did a good job of operating in space and doing a good job of getting them out of their comfort zone. I mean, I know, I think Jimmy did it in game. It was either, I may have been game one or something like that, where there was just a string of possessions where he was just taking Jimmy or he was taking Brooke away uh, from the rim and like making sure and, the, and that goes hand in hand, like it goes hand in hand with Spose kind of scheming up that play and putting Bam in positions to where um, he could free up that space for Jimmy, even though we talk about Bam as like a non-shooter and as a non-spacer. But if he's bringing Brooke away from the rim to an extent, depending on how depending on where Bam is and what actions they're involving him in and depending on what Jimmy's doing with the ball or whoever has the ball, um, it helps bring Brooke away from his comfort zone. But then Bam can do handoffs and stuff off that. Like if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he not if not if he doesn't, but like he could screen, he could operate elsewhere in space when he's pulling Brooke away um, to kind of take advantage of that and kind of distract Brooke in that way. Cause it's like, if Jimmy has the ball in his hand, Bam is pinned screening for someone, whether it's like above the break or at the corners or whatever, that's just more, that's just something else that Brooke and whoever has to defend Bam has to worry about. And so yeah. I thought, it goes hand in hand, kind of what uh, happened throughout that series. And I thought Spo did a good job, at least throughout the series, of scheming up those certain situations to where Bam, um, or he was, they were bringing Brooke, um, Giannis. I mean, like, I'm not even going to say he's a rim protector, but like, even when uh, like Bobby Portis was defending Bam or defending whomever, they're involving in an action to where they're operating as uh, a playmaker. Um, above the break or in the mid post or whatever the case is like I just thought they did a good job of scheming up that and it was a good and it was a damn good job of Jimmy executing and Jimmy reading the defense and Jimmy uh, converting on those opportunities because if Miami didn't convert on those opportunities well there's just missed opportunities that um, you would not like to have because I mean there were again plenty of times where Brooke would do a good job helping I mean I know he blocked Jimmy with like the last last like two two and a half minutes in overtime he blocked Bam a couple of times in overtime so it's not like it or Bam blocked blocked Bam a couple of times in game four. So it's not like it worked every time, but I thought uh, throughout the series, they did a good job of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, look, um, it, it's one of those things too, where it's like, uh, I look at Spot and I look at Bud and I look at them as very, like they're, t- they're, they're the most opposite coaches I could ever think of. You have Spo who is constantly tinkering and looking for ways every game to get a new advantage or change up a little bit. You have Bud who would, um, who would commit, who who only commits to a game plan and doesn't sway, right? Stubbornness. I mean, Spo is stubborn too to an extent, but it's like, how are you not sending two at Jimmy? 
at a certain point you have to, right? You have to I mean, make sure the ball gets out of his hands and make like a Gabe Vincent or Max Struess beat you. Like there was a couple times where Gabe did Cosmos, Matt, could you read out what Jimmy's stat lines were from uh from game three to uh game five? Yeah, let me pull it up. Like I, no, but like just before while I'm pulling this up, it just goes to the point where it's just like you there's you have to make adjustments, whether it's possession by possession, quarter by quarter, half by half, game by game, whatever the case is, there's multiple adjustments that you can make as a coach to right. put your team in better positions to succeed. And that even comes like, that's not even just defensively, that's offensively. Like we saw Giannis create plenty of times in the fourth quarter in overtime where he just wasn't getting to the rim where it's like, it didn't feel like they were running any like inverted pick and rolls or stuff to get him downhill. At least they weren't doing it enough towards like, or maybe even have, Chris or Drew operate with the ball in their hands and try to get Giannis going downhill on like a screen or something like you have to make these adjustments at a certain point. You have to put these players in positions, positions to succeed. And I don't think that uh, Bud did a good job of that. And especially like stopping Jimmy late, like game three, 30 points, five rebounds and 12, 19 shooting. Guess what? Jimmy played 28 minutes that game. He didn't play in the entire game. Remember he bruised his bottom. As we talked about, he bruised his gluteus maximus. So he wasn't playing the entire game. He did that in 28 minutes. Then, as we saw uh, in game four, he had 56 points, nine rebounds, two assists, 19 of 28 shooting. He was phenomenal. He completely took over the game. He had 22 in the first quarter, 21 in the fourth quarter. He had, I think, 11 in the third quarter, but he took, he was, he was, he looked gassed in between those two, those final, those, in between the first and fourth quarters, but still found a way to took over, especially what we saw with that uh, 13-0 heat run. And he had that. He had those threes, that step backs, just just phenomenal stuff. And then last night, 42 points, eight rebounds, 17 of 33 shooting, three of 10 from deep. He hits the game-tying shot. He hits multiple shots over Drew Holiday. He's talking mad shit. It, it's just Jimmy Butler. Like, he was unstoppable this series. He averaged 36, 37.6 points in the series, 6.0 rebounds, five assists, two steals on near 60% shooting, 44% from deep with a 67% true shooting percentage. Like, that shit, especially against a top three defense or top five defense with three elite defenders, one of which didn't only play roughly half the series, and if that, that's still, like, that doesn't happen, bro. Like, that, this just doesn't happen. And Jimmy found a way to do it, and it comes at the fault of Bud, but it also comes at the fault of Jimmy being Jimmy, because it's like, I don't know if they were able to stop Jimmy anyways. Like, that's kind of the point I'm getting at. You have to put position. You have to put your players in position to succeed, and you have to find a way to at least get the ball out of Jimmy's hands. But there are plenty of times where Jimmy was finishing over two at the rim, like he was finishing over two, whether he was like on a few jump shots in the lane. Like he he was unstoppable this series. I don't think that goes without question. No, Jimmy was. Uh, Jimmy was. He, um, his playoff performance right now is like, and I know it's only seven games in. But it's comparable, and I make I make this point in an upcoming article that'll probably come out in the next couple of days. Uh, but I I his playoff performance right now is comparable to Wade in 06. There's one really really strong uh, difference about both of those players and uh, what they what they were able to bring to the table. Uh, D Wade's uh, 2006 postseason average was 28.4 points, 5.9 rebounds, and 5.7 assists. So currently. Uh, Jimbo is averaging 37.6 points, uh, six rebounds and 4.8 assists. Um, D Wade was 23 years old when he was doing this, you know, and, um, I think it was, uh, I think it's safe to say, uh, 
that when he won the championship in 2006, he was the best player in the world. Jimmy is 33. Jimmy is he's 10 years Wade senior, and he's he's playing just like he did. So much so that their usage stats are virtually identical. Their assist percentage is virtually identical. Um, I elaborate on this, and uh, and cleaning the glass was a great a great um, a great research tool in trying to make these points. But um, there's we haven't seen something like this in a long time. Like. We've been treated to good heat postseason appearances since the LeBron era, you know, um, aside, aside from the 2020 um, bubble run, you know, uh, the heat, the heat, um, we got purple shirt guy in 2016, you know, um, and, and a run in the semis. Uh, uh, D Wade was, that was the first round too, right? That was first round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got, uh, you know, we got uh, another playoff of D Wade, you know, when he joined the Josh Richardson led heat when he returned, you know, um, and you know, those are kind of the two that stick up. And, and like, honestly, I know it wasn't playoffs, but I love the 30, 11 year, you know, uh, D Wade's last season. Um, I think, uh, it was on five on the floor. They mentioned this and I totally agree. Um, but it was, uh, that season was filled with moments despite the fact that we didn't have, um, uh, a postseason appearance because like D Wade's last two games were a celebration, a celebration that led Jimmy to Miami, by the way. Um, but uh, but it's it's one of those. Um, the fact of the matter is, and to dovetail a really long winded point, is that Jimmy Butler is doing things that we haven't seen since the Big Three era. That was that LeBron was doing when he was twenty four years old. Once again, Jimmy Butler is thirty three years old, and now the in in the eight seeded Heat, the first play in team to ever win a series. By the way. Um, have upset the best team in the NBA, and they're headed to Madison Square Garden. Jimmy Butler, this man who who this, this this masochistic man who loves to thrive off the energy of a crowd and be the villain, is walking into Madison Square Garden. You know, like where where he is just ready to be in the center of the world stage in the media capital of the free world. <laughs> You know, and he's ready. He's ready to put on a show. Um, look, has the rivalry been renewed? We're going to see, you know, do I believe, you know, and, and with a Miami Heat team, that really depends on Jimmy Butler to take it where it needs to go. Like um, there's no, you can't, Bam is injured. And despite his amazing triple double and really gussy fourth quarter, he hasn't looked like his all-star self, you know, Kyle Lowry looked actually pretty good last night. So potentially we're going to get flashes from him. But Tyler Hero, the third leading scorer on the team, has is out, and maybe he returns in June because basically all the horses are attached. Or sorry, the carriage is attached to Jimmy right now, and he's and the Heat are going to go as far as he can carry them. And look, I'm not going to bet against Jimmy Butler, not in Madison Square Garden. You know, you can expect that he's going to put a show. This 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 is the Coliseum, man. Yeah, you know, it's the uh, mecca of basketball. It's the mecca of basketball. Um, this. I couldn't have written a better story. Um, and, you know, it's it's uh, it's funny, right? Like, uh, to quote Moneyball, right? Like, uh, to just switch up the sports. You know, it's hard not to be romantic about basketball, you know, because what we're seeing is history and the story is still being written. It's it's spectacular. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and yeah, um, one of the things, too, that I'll, I'll touch on before I throw it back over to you is that 
despite the fact that Jimmy had 42 last night, he definitely didn't do it alone. Uh, Gabe Vincent no. was was clutch. Um, that you know he's had his he's had great stretches this season, but he's also had really bad stretches. You know, um, Bam has been non-existent in this series, or maybe not non-existent, but to his to his offensively to his standard, and even defensively, he had a hard time guarding Brook Lopez the game four. You know, uh, he he stopped Brook and he stopped Giannis last night as much as he possibly could. Him just being in position is the reason why Grayson Allen dribbles out the shot clock without uh, or dribbles out the game without getting shot off. Um, or sorry, that's that's not true. Bam had uh, Bam had already exited um, yeah. based on a stupid foul. Look, I'm just trying to get in, but he, uh, thought, he thought Bam was there. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> my bad. Like, <laughs> hey, we all make mistakes. Um, but at the same at the same time, it's uh, it's it's the, it's it still speaks to my point of guys stepping up. Like Caleb stepped up when he had to come in. Key rebound at the at a huge thing. Like Lowry wasn't um, wasn't scoring in bunches, but he had that amazing deflection. You know, um, uh, Duncan came in his three. Kevin Love looked like we just pulled him out of Cleveland's finals run. You know, and how poetic for him to watch his team get sunk by the Knicks in five, um, but because they weren't getting any production from their bench. And then he comes in and uh, sweeps the or not gentleman sweeps the number one number one team in the NBA playing a key bench role for multiple games um, during this series. Whether the Heat don't get it done uh, last night with Kevin Love, and I think it potentially doesn't go to overtime if if he's still in the game because he was he was feeling it from beyond the arc. There's there's a lot that happened uh, yesterday. There are a lot of sub stories that we can dive into, uh, but yeah, the Heat are going to go as far as Jimmy Butler takes them, and. Uh, I don't know what the ceiling is, you know, the next round could be it, but it might not be. And it's, it's, it's tough to say because this isn't the same heat team. I say it every podcast. We did not watch this team this season for 82 games. We had we 84. Had, yeah. 84. Uh, we had a, we had a shell. Um <laughs> we had a shell of whatever he team this is. And I, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know if, you know, there was a shipment of Mike's secret stuff uh, to the thing or why, uh, why the Miami suddenly can hit threes again, but I'm not complaining. Um, Now we head into round two Sunday at 1 PM and um, Julius Randall has injured himself again. I think uh, I think he's not the only Nick to go out. I think there's another Nick who's um, going to be missing from the rotation as well. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, but I mean, both teams are injured. Without Julius Randle, uh, you have Mitchell Robinson, who's been who's been killing it, and the Knicks have size. But, he was uh, the best big in that series. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's it's he's actually Mitchell Robinson is surprisingly young. Um, yeah, he, he, he feels like he's been in the NBA forever. Um, and he is only, let me look it up. I think he's like 23. Yeah. He's in his yeah early. Oh, he's 25. 20. He's 25. So like pretty much. Bam. But it feels like he's been a lot, uh, around a lot longer than Bam. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's finally living up to his potential. I love that it is Thursday. So, um, and like Bam can get some treatment leading up till Sunday because, uh, for the Heat to beat this next team, they need Bam to be Bam, and maybe not 100% Bam, but we need at least 85% Bam here. What do you yeah, think? no, well, yeah, I, I think I can't remember who came out with the quote. Might have been Wes Goldberg. It might have been Anthony Chang, but it was uh, Bam's been getting like 
he's been getting treatment at least three to four times a day uh, on that hip because, I mean, again, it's an injury. So you're, you're trying to treat it, especially when you're going on every other day, you're trying to treat it as much as possible. But I want to say it was like three or four times a day uh, at the facility or at the physical, like wherever they're at, whether they're on the road or at home. I mean, they're trying to, he, he, they're trying to treat him. They're trying to get him a lot of treatment, which I mean, is also like, again, understandable. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting because Mitchell Robinson to an extent has been kind of a similar type of player than Brooke was in terms of his shot blocking ability. I mean, Mitchell Robinson was the best player or one of the best players, not the best player, one of the best players and definitely the best uh, big in that Cavs next year. I don't know how much you were able to catch at that, but he was, uh, he was, getting everything on the glass offensively yeah, 18 rebounds 13 points three blocks um like the rebounds stress me out a little bit because that's still Miami yeah team. well that's the thing well because Cleveland was one of the Cleveland was 20th in defensive rebounding percentage in the regular season uh the Knicks were I think were in the top three in offensive rebounding percentage and the Knicks have two of the best offensive rebounders in the league in Bam out of or not Bam why did I say Bam out of uh Mitchell <laughs> Robinson and Isaiah Hardenstein and they completely – I don't know what the final numbers were, but they completely dominated that series just from, like, a glass standpoint. And it's weird even though that's the case because the Cavs have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, but they just weren't a good defensive rebounding team at all. And the Knicks completely took over that series in that in that regard. And, of course, Jalen Brunson doing Jalen Brun, Brunson things. I mean, quickly didn't have that good of a series. I know RJ was better towards the end of the series, but he was still a little bit shaky. Randall wasn't having the best series, at least to his standard. And they were still winning games just from the fact that Mitchell Robinson was like the second, just he was, he was just dominating um, whenever he was in the game. And so was Hartenstein, especially since he's like a good playmaker. He's a good, he's good at finding players after he gets the offensive rebound and not necessarily going up. I mean, the one place that Mitchell struggles with offensively is just his shooting and his free throw shooting specifically. So that's the one thing um, I'm sure we'll talk about it more with Syria and Dan if we do a preview pod before Sunday, but like, that's kind of like what I'm looking out for is uh, how they are in the glass. Cause I mean, Miami was the fourth best defensive rebounding team in terms of defensive rebounding percentage in the league um, this season, I think per NBA.com. I don't know what cleaning the glass has, which uh, weeds out the garbage time, but like still regardless, I mean, Miami was a good defensive rebounding team with the exception of that Hawks game. Um, and also the Hawks were another very good offensive rebounding team or at least they were under Quinn. Um, or at least they were much, I think, much better under Quinn, especially since, like, Capella and uh, Jalen Johnson and Sadiq Bey and co. But um, anyways, before we end this, I just want to go over a few, few other numbers from you. Yeah, man. To kind of, kind of put a bow, to kind of put a bow on this Bucks series. Um, just talking more to, about... To hang, to hang the Bucks series on the wall. Yeah. yeah. Just to talk more about how how much Jimmy dominated this series. Throw it out there. He scored, not counting free throws, I tweeted this last night, but he scored 125 of his 188 points when either Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, or Giannis Antetokounmpo, three of which Giannis, Chris, and Drew, or Giannis, Brooke, and Drew, are near, if not elite defenders, in their own, in their kind of own way. Uh, Chris has lost a little bit athletically with the knee injuries, but he's still a good defender. He's still chasing guys around, as I kind of mentioned before. 
125 of his 188 total points in this series came when they were his primary defender. They were he was shooting 59% with an effective field goal percentage of 65%. He scored 66 points on 56.5% shooting when Drew was on him. 43 points on 63% shooting when Lopez was on him. 16 points on 50% shooting when Middleton was guarding him. 12 points on 85% or 86% shooting when Giannis was on him. He scored uh, 16 points on 86% shooting when Bobby Portis was guarding him. And when either Jay Crowder, who hardly played in this series, despite after they traded well, uh, 1,700 second-round picks for him. Yeah, yeah just about. Deadline. Give or take. Yeah, just about. Uh, when Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, or Joe Ingles, who are three of their weaker defenders, I would say, um, they were guarding Jimmy. He had 27 points on 58% shooting. On all of those players, he didn't shoot below 50%. He had an effective field goal percentage of 59% or better on each of those six kind of, or no, nine players that I just mentioned. Or eight, excuse me, eight players. In point, in summary, Jimmy was getting effing buckets on everyone. You know, he dominated that series. Like when I say this shit doesn't happen, like Jimmy doesn't just completely dominate a guy who was voted by the players as the best defender in the NBA per the athletic for 66 points on 57% shooting, 66 effective field goal percentage. Like that does not happen. He does not dominate Brooke Lopez whenever he gets him in the drop or gets him near the near at the rim for 43 points on 63% shooting. That does not happen. Can you tell me who leads the team in the playoffs in effective field goal percentage? Ooh, that's a good guess. I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but um, is it Jimmy? No. Is this, is this? Is are you trying to are you trying to make me take my Kevin Love medicine before we leave? No, no. I wish, I wish. Uh, ranking in the ninety fourth percentile at seventy point six percent effective field goal percentage is the one, the only Caleb Martin. Yeah. You want to talk about someone who I'm a fanboy of? Caleb Martin. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy's actually – accusations uh, out of the way from last pod. Effective field goal percentage rankings here. It's Caleb. It's Kyle. It's Struess. It's uh, take your medicine because love's in the air. Uh, <laughs> and then and then it's Jimmy at 59.5%. Dude, he dominated the series, man. Like that – I cannot stress that enough. We do not see a player – completely will i mean he didn't will miami because again at least in this last game we saw multiple contributions but again he averaged 38 points on near 60 percent shooting 44 from deep 67 percent true shooting percentage he was getting buckets on drew he was getting buckets on lopez he was getting buckets on middleton he was getting buckets on Giannis when he played like this stuff just does not happen no nope. it does not happen this was an eight seed it was jordan-esque jimmy butler but this was an eight seed against overwhelmingly probably the most complete team in basketball. Or not overwhelmingly. The that, deepest, that's, that's the deepest by far. Arguably the best team in basketball, at least in the regular season. And Jimmy just took them. He gave them the business over five games. Like, I cannot stress that freaking enough that Jimmy Butler completely dominated this team. Dominated. Yeah. No, he did. It's Look, there's no, there's no if answered buts here. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler right now is the best player in these playoffs. And the fact of the matter is he can probably keep it going for a little while longer. 
So um, strap in, everybody. because He's the one player in the East that no one probably wants to play against. He might be the one player in the league that no one wants to you, play against. You know, right you know what? Um, Ethan and the Five Reasons Sports crew, uh, I was listening to their podcast uh, this afternoon, um, and they put it best. Jimmy is the boogeyman of the East. He has beat all of these top teams already, you know, that, you know, so, you know, they might want to highlight Philly and the Celtics. And I'm just echoing their point. Five reasons. You guys made a good point. I'm going to steal it. Um, you shout know? out five reasons. Yeah, shout out five reasons. These guys are good. Yeah, they're great. Um, but they said, like, every, everybody wants to face, um, you know, or everyone's talking about Philly and the Celtics, Philly and the Celtics. But everyone, it's it's like John Wick. They're scared to say his name. He's the Baba Yaga. He's the boogeyman, <laughs> you know. And he's he's coming to tear up New York next. It's like a it's like a friggin' sequel to a horror movie. I love it. I love it. Um, actually, Bill Simmons I mean, would say my Miami's like the Michael Myers. They're they're just zombies. They're just you know, they're wait they're waiting they're waiting. They are. You know NBA paint. Did you follow NBA Paint? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yesterday they put up uh, Jimmy is the Grim Reaper, and they called it Grim Grimmy Butler. <laughs> it made me laugh. It made me laugh. And you know what? That's what we're seeing right now. So, hey, round two starts on Sunday, Matt. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if we'll get a preview pot up before then. I hope so. We'll keep all of you updated if we do. Um, thank you, as always, for listening. Um, sorry for me going off on a gajillion tangents or whatever. I just can't believe I'm still in disbelief of everything that happened. How uh, is this only the first round good. again? How is this only the first round that this feels like the finals or this feels like the conference well, finals that, from that, last year? Like that's because we're all just stuck in a fever dream at this point, man. I can't believe this just happened, dude. I I, I honestly I'm again still in disbelief. Um we're enjoying it right now before the Knicks. Uh, but the Knicks are a dang good team too. So they got Jalen Brunson, who's been phenomenal. Julius Randle, who can go off in a heater at any moment. Mitchell Robinson, Quentin Grimes is tough as hell. Josh Hart is also very tough as hell and will probably be the one who takes the Jimmy assignment. Love Josh. They Hart. have a dang good team, man. And they I have still, a, cu- I have a couple. Of they still got the Canadian boy himself. Yeah. No, and quickly, who's probably who might just snap against Miami because that's what quickly does against Miami. No. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking definitely forward to this series, but I just can't believe what we just saw. And I'm, I'm glad uh, we were able to talk about it. Man. Go heat. See you on Sunday. Thank you all for listening.